Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. This morning we're going to start out a little different. Today is January 7th, which is the first day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're calling it Focus 2021, and and we have actually put together a prayer prompt guide for you. You can go to our website or our app to access uh, the prayer guides. But I, I just thought it would be good if we started the morning together by uh, by going over the prayer prompt and praying together and starting our day uh, and our our 21 days of prayer and fasting together. So uh, if you want to go into your app, you can pull it up or you can go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, and on the top menu there, it'll say Focus 2021, and you can click it and then download a PDF or it's one of the tile, I think the upper right tile in the app. So uh, if you want to get that out and we'll go ahead and start, it says day one, Thursday, January 7th. And our focus is Romans 10, 9 through 10. Salvation, uh, and it's focusing on salvation, that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And our prayer today is a renewed commitment and freedom in 2021. So we want to renew our commitment in 2021. So let's pray together. I confess, I confess a afresh with my mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is in charge of my life. I exchange my will for his will in 2021 and forever. Now, in your refreshed commitment to the Lord, ask the Father as you move through the, this first fast that, that, that the transforming work of the gospel of Jesus Christ would be at work in your life. Pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal every controlling influence and give you the courage to face them to renounce them, to confess them, to surrender them to God, and that he would cleanse you. Pray that God would draw you closer to him during this fast. So, Lord, we do. We pray that. We pray that you would transform our heart in this time, that this wouldn't be a time where we just check off a task, but this would be a time where we set our lives aside, where we set the influences of our flesh and of this world aside, and we focus in on you. And God, we make you our source today. We confess that you are our Lord, and we renounce any influence that has control or controlled our mind, our heart, or our life. And this morning, God, we start afresh, and we step into this, this fast, this prayer and fasting season with a fresh heart, a confessed heart, a restored heart, ready to hear and obey every word that you speak. So God, would you lead us in this season? And, and Lord, we just pray over our country right now. There's upheaval and there's all kinds of things. Lord, we pray this prayer over our country right now. We pray salvation 
over our country, for those that are lost and that don't know you, God. We live in a world that we expect should be godly, but they don't know God. And so, God, right now, we pray your anointing over them. We pray salvation over our nation and over our world. And, God, we know you are up to great things. So we have a great hope in you. In you, Jesus Christ, is all of our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me. There's more focus if you'd like to focus on um, John, 1 John 1.9. That's a, an additional focus for this morning, so uh, you can jump into that. But what we're going to be going over today in the Daily Word, I will be going through Acts chapter 20. So if you want to turn there uh, in your Bible really quickly, um, we're just going to be going, and I'll read all the way through the passage, and then I have four, maybe five points for you this morning. Uh, we'll see what, what God does and what anointing comes, uh, but I think we're going to keep it uh, probably to four, uh, n- uh, maybe to four, no more than five, I promise. So uh, let's uh, start off in chapter 20. It says, after the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for disciples, for the disciples, and when he had encouraged them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. And there he spent three months. And when a plot was formed against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea and the son of Pyrrhus by the Architus Er. Aristarchus, sorry, there's a lot of names in here, and <laughs> Secondus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy of Tychus, and uh, Torephemus of Asia. Now these had gone ahead and were waiting for us, and Torres, and and Torres, and we sailed uh, from Philippi after that day of unleavened bread and reached them in Torres within five days, and stayed there for seven days. One of, on the first day of the week, when we were gathering together to break bread, Paul began to talk to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Can you believe that? He preached until midnight. And there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were gathering together. And there was a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the window sill, sinking into a deep sleep, and Paul kept on talking. And Eutychus was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was, uh, and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him said, Do not be troubled, for he is still alive. When Paul had gone back up and had broken bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak, and then they left. They took away the boy alive, where he was greatly comforted. But we went ahead to the ship and set sail across Assus, intending from there to take Paul on board, for that was was what he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us in Assus, we took him on board and came to Mytilene, sailing from there, we arrived to the, fo- the following day opposite of Chios, and the next day we crossed over to Samos. And on the following day, we came to Mytilis, Mit- Miletus, excuse me, 
and Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to lose time in Asia, for he was hurrying if it might be possible for him uh, to be in Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. Uh, from Mytilus, he sent word to Ephesus and called to, him, to him, called to himself the elders of the church. And when they have come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not sink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial in teaching you publicly, and from house to house, solemnly uh, testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, be bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying the chains and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as, a, as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all people. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God, but on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherds uh, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for all period of three, all period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you, one with tears. And now I entrust to you God, I entrust to you God, to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among, uh, inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted. No one silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands served my own needs and the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this way you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them, prayed with them all. And they all began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Uh, and today I had four areas. That's cha Acts chapter 20. I have four areas that I, specific ones that I'd like to go over. I'll, I'll give you those. Uh, first, Paul, he walked in the spirit. And I think we saw that especially in chapter 19 in previous chapters, um, but he, he always walked in the Spirit. And then, uh, then he not only walked in the Spirit, but he operated in the Spirit. And, uh, and then he made himself available. He was, he was available to, at all times. And then finally, 
he served the weak. He didn't elevate himself above anybody else. So let's go back to our first point, walking in the Spirit. In verse 3, uh, it says that uh, Paul, uh, was that he knew there was a plot against him and that he chose uh, to go the land route instead of uh, sailing back up uh, to Syria because he knew there was a plot against him on the ship. And it just reminded me, you know, there was a time, I, I just remembered this story as I was studying. At times, there are things sometimes that, that seem logical or like the best choice to make, uh, but sometimes uh, there's something in our spirit that says, that's kind of counter to that. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Like uh, maybe like for me, I was driving on the freeway. We were on a road trip uh, from here to California. It's actually a convention down in Anaheim, uh, the Foursquare Convention. And so we took three of our children with us and we were on the road. And I remember it was a long drive from here down there. And we were in the Bakersfield area, if I recall, in the, in the morning, we had just left our hotel. And I just had this, this feeling that, that I should exit. And so I started to exit. And my wife, Jennifer, looks at me. She says, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I just feel like we should exit here and maybe get something to eat. I kind of excused what I felt by saying getting something to eat. But I remember getting down to the bottom of the exit. And at that moment, we heard this big crash and this big bang, all this noise. And then suddenly this big rig was hanging off the bridge we would have been on. And for me, I think what it was is was this compellingness of the Holy Spirit compelling me to get out of the way of trouble. And, and what we see here with Paul, I, I know Luke kind of lightly goes over it, but it's important to notice that Paul was always sensitive to the Holy Spirit, whether it was an unction of the Holy Spirit or whether it was him avoiding some difficult situation that could have turned into violence or, for that matter, stopped his third missionary journey. Whatever it was, it was, uh, I believe, and, and I think we can see it clearly, divine um, kind of uh, action by the Holy Spirit to cause Paul to, to change his course, to continue his journey. And that same thing happened for us. And I remember turning to my wife and going, we could have been right in that accident. As a matter of fact, I, I think that big rig was like right in front of us. And so it was an amazing time of, of the Holy Spirit intervening in a situation and, and getting us out of trouble. And, uh, and I don't know about you, if you can think of in your life where, where that has happened. And I think it's not only important that, that we allow that to happen in our life, but I think it's also important that we would acknowledge that, that we would acknowledge when the Holy Spirit has intervened in our life, that we would acknowledge and see that and not just put it as coincidence. Because then what happens is we numb ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit, but when we acknowledge the work of the Spirit and we actually uh, talk about it and see it and emphasize it, we become more sensitized to it. And so as a, as a spiritual people, you know, if we want to see things changed in our communities, in our cities, in our country, in our world, we actually have to be the agents of change. And to be an agent of change, you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And part of being is not just doing these great actions, but also acknowledging when God has moved in your life and seeing that and letting it be evident to you and giving God praise and glory or asking God for knowledge and wisdom. These are the things that will make us a spiritual people. And if we see in Paul's life, he was a spiritual man. 
He was a great example. Jesus was an example that he did everything that the father said. But Jesus was fully righteous, right? He didn't have sin in him. And now we have this example through Paul. And I think of this, how Paul was this example that there was a fully sacrificed man. He gave his whole life to the gospel. And we revere Paul, and he was an apostle, but he was still a man. And it doesn't diminish his stature. Oh no, Paul is our apostle, and we will always love him. But what it says to me is that, that I, I need to look at his life as an example on how to live mine. I need to have a spirit-led life as Paul did. I need to acknowledge when the Holy Spirit is giving me unction or moving on me or, or, or telling me something. I need to acknowledge that. And I, I don't need just to move on through my day. I need to be looking at what God is doing and follow his leading. Point two, operating in the spirit. And here's, uh, here's where I want to talk about Eutychus. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I jokingly say this, that, that Paul bored him to death. <laughs> he fell asleep and fell out of that window after preaching all day and into midnight, right? It says Paul went well after midnight. Um, uh, but, but what Paul did is, you know, it's interesting to me. It didn't just, Paul didn't just, this wasn't a one-time thing. If we look even in chapter 19, I, I think it talked about people were being healed by just touching handkerchiefs that Paul had touched, that the anointing of God was on this man. And it was through small decisions like we just talked about where, where the Holy Spirit led him to go a different direction. And I think in Acts 16, uh, 6 through 25, we see this very clearly where God guided uh, Paul's missionary journeys through visions, right? And through situations on where to go and where not to go. And that, that was back in Acts 16. So Paul has developed this life, this spirit-led life. And so now, now what we see in his life is the fruit of it. We see this right here with Eutychus. You know, he's in this upper room. And if I recall correctly, the room is on the third floor, it says, uh, and they had candles lit and it had been going all night. And this isn't a, a much different climate than we live in. So a lot of times we would think, uh, you know, I think to m this morning when I came in, it was 42 degrees. We think of our climate, but they live in a much warmer climate. They're in the Middle East. And so it is much, much warmer. And so with all these bodies and this room was probably packed with people listening to Paul because wherever he went, he had quite a following, right? So we're all packed in this room and we got these, these um, lant lanterns lit burning oil, right? And so not only is it hot, but now the oxygen is diminished in the room. And uh, Paul's been preaching for a long time and, and you wonder how can this guy fall asleep? Well, it's low oxygen. He falls asleep and falls out of the window. And Paul goes down. And the first thing he does is he embraces him, right? It says that he embraces him. And he squeezes him. He said, this man still has life in him, right? And uh, I could only imagine, I bet the mom and the dad were there, you know, my wife and I were just talking about this. And as you read this passage, you begin to think about more uh, the grief that had probably occurred when Eutychus fell out of this window and uh, was down there and pronounced dead. You know, the grief and the and all that they went through in those moments. And Paul goes down and he embraces this boy and he's healed, right? And now his life comes back and, and they can, says they go and they go and break bread. You know, and, and you know, I always think, man, barbecue, although we're, we're in prayer and fasting, so we need to follow what God has asked of us in our prayer and fasting time. But, but what a moment that probably was when they were reclining together and eating and 
the joy and the happiness of those parents and the, the sheer glee in their hearts to have their son who they thought was lost now back with them. Paul was completely and utterly submitted to the Lord Jesus. He was fully, and Jesus was our perfect sacrifice, and Paul chose to follow Jesus' example and dedicate his entire life to the following of Christ. And this morning, you know, we, we, when we opened with uh, prayer and fasting, we talked about salvation, and we talked about surrendering to God. And now we're here we have this great example, Apostle Paul, showing us what surrender looks like. He was a surrendered man, and because of his surrender, his life bore much fruit. And, uh, you know, I say this, and, and you'll hear me say it often, um, if you don't like the fruit, that's on the branches of your tree, you might think about what you're putting into the tree. If we don't like the fruit that we're bearing, if, if we don't like our life is not fruitful and we're not seeing the Holy Spirit move within us, we're, not, we're having disunity in our families, we're having strife and fighting, backbiting and talking and gossip and all these other things that can happen so easy. We got to look at what we're putting into us. And what Paul put into him is he followed the example of Christ. He preached the gospel. He gave his life away for the gospel. And what we see is, is a tree full of fruit because of what he put in. And then I'll just say that to you. Maybe this time of prayer and fasting is a time of severing some of that bad influence, some of those influences that infiltrate us and actually transform our thinking and feed our flesh. And maybe this is a season for you and I. There's prayer and fasting. We're setting ourselves apart to hear from God, to obey Him, to meditate on His Word, to feed ourselves, to, to, to tell our flesh to be silent and to allow our spirit to rise up. And that's what it is. Prayer and fasting for me is, is putting my flesh into submission of my spirit. And I hope that these next 21 days, we're doing that together. And I think we can see a huge turn in our own lives and in lives around us. Point three, being available. And this was, this was an interesting uh, passive piece of the passage. And there's so much here. We could go on all morning and there's so much here, like I said. But Paul, and in, in verse three, it says, but Paul went ahead to the, sh uh, but, but we, and this is Luke speaking, so let's make sure we understand that Luke is the author. But we went ahead to the ship and set sail for Assis, intending um, from there to go take Paul on board, for that was what he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. When, we, when he met us across Assis, we took him on board and came to uh, Midland. So now he, Paul had planned to get on the ship with him, but instead, he didn't. Instead, he went by land. And what it was is, is you're down here in, in uh, Greece, and he would have took the ship on the waterway back up, uh, back up to, um, what is it, um, uh, to Macedonia, right? So what Paul did is instead he took a 30-mile journey which is a really interesting point to this passage. And Luke doesn't emphasize it. Uh, but as I, I did some research and read some commentaries and um, Pastor Steve's uh, commentary on Acts, it was really in interesting that 
Paul would take this 30-mile journey. And so some say, well, he needed uh, the walk and he needed the exercise. Well, I'm not too sure I would agree totally with that. It could be that, uh, but I don't think so because Paul was already well exercised, said that he needed time alone to maybe pray and just have some alone time. But he could have done that on the ship. He could have just found his, you know, his place on the ship and, and settled in and had some time of prayer. Um, actually, the ship ride, I think, was, was longer than taking land. So he could have had even more time. But what is believed that has happened is that he had some leaders uh, that he was ministering to after that night of preaching into the wee hours, he chose to, to, to take along maybe some leaders that were having some difficulty to spend some time with him. Even though he was exhausted, even though he had been ministering, even though he was busy and had much to do, it, lo- it looks to us that he made himself available to mentor, to coach, to lead, to disciple. Whatever term you want to use, this is what we believe Paul did on that 30-mile journey. And that's what it gave him. It gave him time to share, to care, and to pour into others' lives. And, and that's something that I find sometimes, you know, people say this to me. It's, it's an interesting say, the thing when they say it to me. They say, you know, oh, Pastor Steve, I, you know, I, I know you're busy. And, and, and the thing is, is that I want you to know and I want us to have this reflection of life is that in God's economy, people are number one. They are the priority. And in God's economy, people are number one. It's not about work. It's not about income. It's not about wealth. It's not about uh, properties or, or um, uh, consumerism. Nope, it's about people. And when people say, oh, Pastor Steve, you're busy, here's what I always say. And, 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 and I believe Paul would say something like this too, is like, you are the priority. People are the priority. And in that, if you need to reach out to me, go right ahead. Reach out to me. Call me, text me, call my phone at the church. Do whatever you need to, but don't ever not reach out to me because you think I'm too busy. And I always tell people this. I say, look, if you call me and I don't answer, leave me a voicemail and I'll call you back. But if I can't answer, I will. I'm not, I don't screen calls. I don't screen emails. I'm available. And that's what we see here with Paul. He made himself available. And do we make ourselves available to others? Do we find time in our lives to walk 30 miles? That sounds huge today, doesn't it? 30 miles? 30-mile walk to mentor and coach and disciple somebody? That's huge. But do we make time even in our exhaustion? I know that I have a mentoring call once a week, and it's with an individual that that, that is very trying for me sometimes. A very difficult person um, and uh, difficult situations. And it's not always the most open. And, and, and sometimes our phone calls are very difficult. And let me tell you, I have wanted to give up on this. I have been frustrated in some of these calls, and I'm just being very vulnerable and honest. But God has not released me. There have been nights where, where I'm busy and I have things going on on Tuesday nights and Tuesdays are our days off. But don't get me wrong, but I make it a priority to be on this call with this, with this, with this man, to be there for him, to coach him, to partner with him. Um, he's gone through some traumatic things in his life and has some serious rejection 
uh, issues. And what God has said is, don't be another reason for him to reject me. That's been my conviction. And sometimes in our exhaustion, in our frustration, we still have to be submitted to God. Even when our energy is low, when we're tired and we're worn out, when we have everything coming against us, if we rely on the Holy Spirit, we still have more to give. And I believe that's a word for us today. We still have more to give, but we have to be plugged in to the proper source. And we see that in Paul's life here, don't we? Um, these phone calls have been going really well. And sometimes I've just listened. And sometimes I, I have influence. And sometimes coaching is that. Sometimes coaching and mentoring and discipling is just being a listening ear. Helping somebody get back on the right track, get on their feet, hear the Lord. And that, you know, and I, and I always say this, I say it's the mentoring and discipling isn't anything more than, than taking somebody's face and shining it into, not shining it, turning their eyes to catch the gaze of Jesus. That's our job as brothers and sisters to support one another. Now, I'm not telling you to go around and grab people's face and start controlling their head. We need to social distance people. Do not do that. <laughs> but what I'm saying spiritually is getting them to catch the gaze of Jesus. And if we can do that, if we're able to do that and we're patient enough and wait on the Lord and we're spirit-led, God will give you divine inspiration and show you ways to do that, that that will knock your socks off. You'll be amazed that you thought of that or did that. And others will go, why did you think of that? That was, a, that was genius. And you'll sit there and go, I know, but that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's how the Holy Spirit works within our lives. He goes beyond what we know. His ways are above our ways. And if we allow him to move in our lives and we're surrendered to him, we have a spirit-led life and we're deep in the word, these are the things that we'll see happen in our lives. Finally, point four, uh, serving the weak. This is something that just stood out to me that, was, that, that I thought as I read this, and there's so much in this passage, right? There's so much in here. Uh, it says, in everything I showed you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than received, than to receive, excuse me. Many times um, we could look at this passage, and I think it's both. Um, I think, you know, gi you know, giving to the weak. Well, what does that mean? Help the weak. What it means is, it can be financially, but what about spiritually? What about somebody that just is suffering spiritually, and they don't, they don't know how, to, they don't understand, they're not a believer, they're they, they don't understand the Bible, or maybe they do, but they just have all this other baggage and stuff that's just pulling at them. I have a, another friend that I just met this week that I can tell he loves the Lord, but he just does not know how to put all the pieces together. And sometimes it's easy for us to go, you just need to get it together. Come on, buck up. But, but let me tell you, some of those people don't know how to do that. They just, they don't have it within them to do it. And what they need is somebody like you or I to come alongside them, give them hope, look into their eyes and see them for who they are, encourage them, pray for them. Hey, can I just pray for you? You know how many awkward moments I've had to do that? Like, like and the person just, I honestly have only been turned down one time. 
All the other times, people have, yes, please pray for me. And that gives you that opportunity to pray the power of the Holy Ghost over their life. It gives them a moment in their weakness of hope, right? Our hope is in Christ. Ours is. And, and a lot of us who, who are grounded in the word know that. But there are so many people out there that do not understand the Bible. They don't know the Bible at all. They don't know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But they can feel it when they experience it. Because you and I, we've all been wired the same way. We've been wired to, to be connected to God. And when that connection, I don't know about you, if you're listening and maybe you've never felt this and maybe you're feeling it now, or maybe you, you did, maybe you grew up in the church and you can look back and you can remember that, that moment when you connected with God. And that was that moment you began to think about, about salvation and about your eternity and about Jesus' righteousness. And in that moment, something connects Something spiritual and supernatural happens between you and God. And you realize that you were made to be in relationship with God. And that's, that's what we see here when we, when we choose to serve the weak. Yes, we can give to them financially. But when we choose to serve the weak, the unbeliever or the person struggling or the person grieving or the person dealing with alcoholism or addiction, Many addictions. It could be sexual addiction. It could be, it could be substance addiction. It could even be digital addictions, right? But when we come alongside those people and we can connect them to God, that's when true transformation happens. True transformation, honestly, a prayer is really great. And it's a confession of the connection that's already happened within our heart. But what we must do is we must see people and, and, and having said that, we must be seen too. If you're a person and you know you've been weak and you're in that weak state spiritually and you're afraid and you're fearful and we look, my friends, we have a lot right now to be anxious about, don't we? There's a great opportunity for the enemy to, to poison us with fear and anxiety. I mean, just yesterday, we, I mean, we've never seen anything like that, Right? But this is also an opportunity. If we're dealing with fear or anxiety, stress, anger, and you need help, this is an opportunity for you to reach out. Let me tell you, we're here at the church. You can come in and receive prayer. You can comment in the comment box if you need prayer. We would love to hear from you. And if you're feeling weak in this moment, right now, Lord, I just pray the presence of the Holy Ghost. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Christ from the grave, to break anxiety, to break fear, to give hope, and to break a, a spirit of weakness upon the people of God. And so, God, right now, we seek your face. We seek that connection with you again. We refresh our hearts with you. We confess our sin, God, our addictions, the things that draw us from you. And God, we reconnect with who you are. Lord, we ask, would you instill hope into our hearts? In Jesus' name. Okay, I know you didn't ask for that, but that was just the, 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 the anointing led me to pray. And, and I, I do just want to tell you, I want you, if you're, you're hurting and in pain, to reach out. And I also want those of you that, are, that have 
that are rooted in the word to see the weak and to ask, do you need prayer? How can I help you? And it's not just always financial. Sometimes it's just being a friend, being a listening ear. Okay, uh, and then the final point I wanted to make was um, I just want to read the ending of the passage, and I want us to focus on how Paul left. Um, and, you know, yeah, he's, his, uh, he's leaving, uh, and he says, uh, verse 35, we'll just pick up there, and everything I showed you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak, remembering them, we just read this, the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. So he gave them, he exhorted them, he reminded them who they were. Then he kneels down and he prays with them, with them all. And they all began to weep. Can you imagine this? And embraced Paul. Can you imagine this goodbye? This, this is their final goodbye with Paul and repeatedly kissed him. They loved Paul. They loved the example that he was in their lives. Uh, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. So this was their last moments. And you can see this moment. You can imagine, you can feel, oh, as it were, the emotion in the moment. It was the last time they would see his face. But they will see Paul again, won't they? And, uh, and friends, uh, this is just a reminder in God's economy that people are the highest priority. They are the resource, and, and the relationships that we have are so important. And this is a time of isolation in our country, in our world. And a lot of us have been shut in, and, and there's ways of connecting with people. Well, if we're not ready to come out of your home, and, and we respect that and totally honor it, and you're online, would you reach out? to others? Would you do Zoom calls or Google Meets or whatever platform you know how to use FaceTime? I know my grandkids and my oldest daughter FaceTime me every day, and I look forward to seeing their faces on that screen and interacting with them. And I would encourage us to do the same. Remind people how much they mean to you and the value that they are to you. Exhort them and remind them who they are in the Lord and uplift them. Amen. Well, I think that's it for today, for our, our daily word. We, we got through, what is it, 38 scriptures in Acts 20. And we also started our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I just want to remind you, our weekend services are uh, 5 p.m. here on site and online, uh, 9 a.m. and 11.30, both again on site and uh, uh, online. And we want to encourage you to engage, to connect with people, to reach out, to be spirit-led, to be full of the Holy Ghost, to see the fruit of God in your life. So Lord, right now, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word this morning. And God, we submit ourselves to you as Paul's example led us, is leading us, that we be submitted in the spirit, that we would operate in the spirit that we would choose to be available, that we would choose to be available, God, and that we would serve the weak. And so, Lord, we submit our hearts to you, and we look forward to seeing what you will do in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. We focus our hearts again. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.